0: This week we'll continue with our study on biblical counseling issues. And this morning specifically, we'll be looking at the doctrine of spiritual growth. The doctrine of spiritual growth. So if we were to study biblical counseling for no other reason than to understand this concept, uh, in, in my estimation, it would be more than worth this, the effort that we're putting into this to talk about how many people struggle with the assurance of salvation or with their assurance of salvation. Um, God has given to some to have a deep assurance of their position in Christ um, from from salvation from the moment he opens their eyes. Uh, Others struggle throughout their entire life trying to gain an assurance and a confidence that they are in Christ. Um, This has been uh, the case for Many um, of uh, who we would consider the great men of, of the faith uh, who struggled with assurance and uh, depression and how that affected their assurance. And so this isn't something that's that strange, but something that we should um, be sympathetic towards and strive towards and pray for um, our assurance and the assurance of brothers and sisters who are weak in, in, that, in, in the faith in that area. And keep in mind as well that we have an enemy that desires to keep us from being assured of our salvation, uh, to keep us constantly doubting that we're in Christ and we have union with Christ and that our position is secure and fastened and we can no longer be shaken and ripped from union with Christ, then uh, Christ can be removed from heaven, uh, seated at the right hand, Of God there is an assurance there that we can have and that we should have and pray towards as we think about this subject but we want to think about this in uh, a a couple of different ways so again the umbrella is the doctrine of spiritual growth um, but we'll think about it in the context of progressive sanctification we want to look at progressive sanctification so first, I'm, I'm going to read a couple of verses here, Revelation 12:10, and then I'll go over to Colossians 2. So first, Revelation 12:10. Revelation 12:10 reads, "And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, "Now the salvation and the power, And the kingdom of our god and the authority of his christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our god so there is one who is constantly uh, consistently persistently even um, accusing the brethren Uh, this one in his many devices also seeks to remind us of our deep sinfulness and how we fail to keep god's commands, and how we've spurned his grace and his mercy in different ways um so that is uh, the, the the reality of that or the reminder of that reality being conscious of that is important for us because it keeps us i think diligent and prayerful uh, colossians 2 another verse we can take a look at here Colossians 2, 1 through 2. Paul says here, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. And I'll continue there um, to verse three. In whom are hidden all the treasures of, of knowledge, or rather of wisdom and of knowledge. And then chapter four, verse 12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So this brother... Epaphras um, struggling in his prayers and his petitions for these believers and their maturity. Um, And so when we think about Christian maturity even, Christian maturity isn't um, simply being able to um, spout off a a bunch of verses. Christian maturity um, isn't um, being seen as one who is very intellectual and has a, um, a strong grasp on arguments. Um, but Christian maturity has something more to do with um, uh, the character of the person as they live consistently what they know the Bible teaches. Right? So sometimes when we think about Christian maturity, we can have this category um, of what maybe we has seen as Christian maturity, because it's actually more consistent with what the world sees as things that ought to be praised. Well, this person speaks really well, or they just seem to, to, to know so much about uh, the Bible. They just seem to really um, be someone who just carries themselves, and they just always say, you know, the, the right thing and they, they, they give the right answer and listen to how they pray. Um, these can be signs, but they aren't necessarily um uh, deep signs of true christian maturity Um, it may look differently than what we think about it so we'll sort of look at some verses today that i think will maybe give us some 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 categories for that but let's let's dig into some text here so i have um there's a scripture reference sheet that i thought may make it easier because we'll just be looking at different verses um and so uh if you want to flip the pages i love the pages of you know scripture in the bible flipping as well but just to make it a little easier to reference them more more quickly you have that so first we want to think about three aspects of sanctification so the first is positional sanctification Um, and this is sort of loosely defined as uh, the position that the believer is set apart by being united with Christ before God the moment of salvation this is also known as justification all right, so someone want to read Romans 3, 23 to 26 for us? Okay, thank you. Okay, we're talking about positional sanctification. Uh, Scripture uses the language of saved, um, of the believer in in past tense, in present tense, and in the future tense, where it says you have been saved. Scripture also says you are being saved. Um, When Christ returns, we will be saved. Um, But here specifically, in thinking about positional sanctification, that we have union with Christ and we are fixed in that position with him uh, as uh, sanctified, uh, sanctification, and set-apartness, okay? Uh, Secondly, we want to think about sanctification in the category of progressive, progressive sanctification, Um, that the believer is set apart progressively day by day by being conformed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God, by active participation, uh, sorry, by active participation of of the believer. So God is working uh, in the heart, the mind, uh, the affections of the Christian by the Spirit day by day. So that's when we usually think about sanctification, that's the category we have in mind, that I'm I'm being made to be a more, uh, a a fruit bearing Christian, to be more loving, consistent with the word of God, to be um, uh, uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, uh, to be displaying kindness and temperance and patience, this this fruit of of the spirit. That uh, what I see myself, what I see in myself, the bad things I see, I wish I saw less of them. The things I desire, I wish I saw more of them in myself. That sort of fight for progressive or in in progressive sanctification, so a few a few verses here um, let me have someone read romans eight twenty nine who wants to read that for us Anna, go ahead, thank you okay so there's that language of uh, being conformed, being changed. And you see that also uh, in, the, in the next verse here as well. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Someone want to read that for us? I will. Okay, thank you, Diana. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be true by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thank you. So again you see that that process of being um not not being um and this here uses this word conform, not being conformed to the world. Right In Romans 8, you, say, you see being conformed to the image of Christ. Here it's saying, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so how we, um, how, how we think about uh, salvation, sanctification, um, it has this sort of uh, progressive, persistent effect in our hearts, our minds, our affections. And it's interesting, it says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. I know with me, when I think about sanctification, I'll say to myself, man, I want the wisdom of someone who's been walking with the Lord for 50, 60 years, All right, But I want, it, I want to wake up and have it. <laughs> but it just doesn't work like that, right? This is by, uh, it's by sanctification, it's by testing, it's by, um, in, um, in Hebrews it says, The powers of discernment are trained, right? So there's this idea of, it's it's like a boot camp for our discernment, our knowledge, our wisdom, which we're putting into into work by the Spirit. We have have our Bibles open and as we come across, across situations, we are applying, praying with wisdom, applying. And we don't do that perfectly. And so sanctification, the Lord is working that in us. Um, another verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.18. Someone want to read that for us? Can I just add? Uh, yep. I think one thing that is particularly helpful for me, and it's something I've learned in the last five years, but you know, we have 2,000 years of church history. Hmm. You know, when, if, let's say you were adopted to a family. Well, you're responsible for knowing the history. And if you look you know, down the line, you might see some mistakes that were made and the things that you can learn from. Yeah. Well, we have 2,000 years of that. Yeah. Yeah, amen. I it helps me in my own sanctification. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Right, so we don't have to reinvent the wheel in a sense. That's a good point. We have this sort of cloud of witnesses to look to, uh, not only in scripture, but also in church history. As God has um, used the, the church, I heard, um, I think it was Waldron who said, um, uh, the, the theology and the doctrine of the church wasn't, uh, sort of uh, cultivated and sharpened in a vacuum, but God has used centuries to uh, sharpen and develop the theology of the church and the people as they apply these things in sanctification, which is really uh, that sort of, um, I think about, um, uh, what's the game show, who, who wants to be a millionaire? And you have like these lifelines, you know, we got the church, we've got church history, we've got the Bible, uh, we've got the spirit, that's another sort of lifeline that we have we can uh, pick up books and read of those who came before us not only their successes but their failures and the Lord has given us that even in scripture um, for our own sanctification so great point bro okay let's look at um, let's look at another verse here and then we'll jump to perspective sanctification Um, someone read Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 to 24 Who wants to read that for us? Go for it. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desire, And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Thank you. So here, there's the the putting off and the putting on. You see, um, when we think about sanctification, if we only think about putting off things. I think that's something you see with, I don't know, in different worldviews or those who, um, I don't know, they're practicing piety apart from the Holy Spirit, where they they're, they're putting off things. Well, I decided not to, I don't know, um, you know, overeat, or I decided to turn over a new leaf this year. My New Year's resolution is not to, you know, I don't know, um, uh, do, do whatever the thing is and they're, they're, they're putting off this thing, but one, it's not by the Spirit, and two, they're not actually putting on the righteousness of Christ. So it's sort of a false piety. It seems noble and it appears to be good, but the process of sanctification, we are as needy for the power of the Spirit and sanctification, progressive <laughs> sanctification as we are when we think about our union with Christ. Um, this isn't necessarily a separate category concerning the power of the Spirit to do this. So even when we think about that, it's not just a New Year's resolution or turning over a new leaf. It's actually putting to death. I've quoted this before. uh, Owen, he said that the Holy Spirit is um, recycling in the heart of the Christian what he did in the life of Christ. Constantly putting to death old affections and raising new affections in Christ so that's what's happening. Something that deep, that powerful, that spiritual is happening in the life of the Christian. Not just a sort of exercise in false, false piety. Okay, let's think about this third category. And I'll give, I'll, I'll pause and we can, I'll give some time to share some things after this. Um, this third category of perspective sanctification. That the believer will be set apart completely when the very presence of sin uh, or actually from the very presence of sin when sanctification is completed at the coming of Christ uh, for his church this is also known as glorification so 1st John 3 2 says beloved we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is that is uh, something to be hoped for. Um, and actually, it's an assurance that we have. And when I think about that, like the things that are happening in my head and heart constantly, the, the war, one day that will no longer be the case. Um, at the beginning of this, um, the uh, CCEF uh, Christian Counseling Podcast, one of the guys says, one day in this very you know deep and mature voice one day you will be happy and holy and you will never (laughs) struggle with sin again and or something like that it's so encouraging that reminder that one day we won't have to struggle with sin Uh, one day there won't be uh, tension in our heart between obedience and disobedience there won't be friction in christian fellowship Um, we won't have to deal with awkward conversations and sin and failure and grieving the holy spirit but we will be perfect happy and holy um as adam and eve were before the fall but better uh, to never be able to fall so it's just a glorious thought but i'll pause there share some things and then we'll go on to the next section All right, let's go to the next section here. Um, Five characteristics of biblical sanctification. So number one there, so uh, by the way, do you guys have all the the three blanks filled in at this point, everybody got that? Positional sanctification, progressive sanctification and perspective sanctification. All right, so five characteristics of biblical sanctification. One, the Godhead is active. Philippians 2.13 <clears throat> For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And our, our, our triune God is working in us both to will and, and to work. Um, so A under that number one God works more zealously and powerfully for your sanctification than you do. God is more zealous and I think yours says passionate um, about your, your sanctification than you are. God works more zealously and powerfully for your sanctification than you do. Um, someone read Psalm 23 three for us. Sonia, thank you. He restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah. That that for for His name's sake, you see that elsewhere. I think it's um, uh, Ezekiel where it's talking about the the uh, sanctification in this sense of the people of those who all, all those who have circumcised hearts. Um, it talks about the deliverance of the people of God, and God says, "I do these things not for your sake, um, not because you've been this uh, good or righteous people, but for My name's sake, I do these things." Um, <clears throat> and you see that in Ezekiel 36:22 to32. Uh, so you can maybe note that and then go back and read it. Uh, let me have someone else read Titus 12 uh, or r- rather Titus 2:14. Barani? So again that, that same idea there um, redeeming us and purifying us purifying the people for his own possession we were talking about this maybe it was last tuesday at the joy fellowship group um, or maybe it was at my house i don't remember but um how in the old testament um when the people of israel were delivered uh out of egypt um they were delivered um, the the purpose of the delivery uh, God says through Aaron and Moses uh, they are delivered that they may worship God they were delivered that they may go out and worship him Um, and then you see this coming to to Sinai and God establishing his people but God is he has delivered us um, but in his delivery of us from the evil one from his devices from our own selves Um, It's unto the worship of God, which is what we see in Revelation, the sort of culmination of this. Uh, Our triune God worship perfectly without sin hindrance. um, And he is sort of progressively moving us in the direction of uh, pure worship, uh, worship that is sanctified. We're delivered unto the worship of God and for the glory of God in that. Um, Okay, number number two here. Man must be active. Someone read Philippians 2 12 for us. When we think about sanctification, man must be active. Who wants to read that? Anthony? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All right, thank you. <clears throat> Um, and then, Second Corinthians seven one says, "Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord." So you see on your, on your handout there, A, Romans eight thirteen. The subject of the, of the verb is you. And B, 2 Corinthians seven one, let us cleanse ourselves. Uh, C. Um, 1 Timothy 4, 7, uh, it's training yourself for godliness. It says, having nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather training yourself for godliness. Now, I'm, I'll just pause here to, to make this clear. When we think about the role of the believer, the, the person, the man, in sanctification, this isn't to divorce it from the power of the Holy Spirit. right? So we're not saying... Um, We have the power. I'm not saying we have the power in and of ourselves to sanctify ourselves. But what you do see in in progressive sanctification is uh, the spirit working, God willing, and working in the man as the man strives and pursues holiness. In other words, we can't just sort of lay back and sort of sunbathe and expect to become more holy right? It's, a, it's effort. Paul used the language of training. We, um, we, we work, we labor, we train, um, not as one beating the air, boxing the air. He uses this athletic language, but as one um, uh, pursuing training to receive a reward, a crown, right? So again, we're not thinking about this apart from the spirit, but we are saying that we are called to be diligent and active in our progressive sanctification, okay um let me have someone read uh, ephesians um where are we at ephesians 4 1 and 17. who wants to read those two verses for us So, you sort of see in that in, in Ephesians 4:17, at least, that putting off and putting on no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That there's a, a putting off in the futility of, of their minds. Um, so again, that process of uh, putting off, um, walking and living worthy of the gospel. And then Ephesians 4:22 to 24. Can someone read that for us? Thank you. All right. Thank you. So, again, that that same putting off, putting on, and then First Timothy six. Um, 11 and Titus two twenty two, both both uh, speak of this fleeing um, uh, uh, youthful passions um, pleasures and pursuing righteousness so flee one thing and pursue the other and when you think about your own sanctification is that something that you you, you see do you see yourself uh, striving for for uh, righteousness um, or are you more casual Um, are you pursuing are you diligent in that Um, or are we more passive when it comes down to our our sanctification I think all of us find ourselves in seasons passive um, not as diligent as we want to be um, not as uh, desirous even as we should be so even that we have to pray for Uh, Lord I don't desire to pursue this I know it's in the Bible, but I'm not desire right now. Give me right desires and affections for it. Um, even praying down to that, that level, stir my uh, desires for holiness and righteousness because I don't feel it right now. Um, and make me to desire it so that I do and, and, and actually pursue it. Now, those are important to sort of have the thumb to the pulse of our own um, uh, affections or lack of righteous affections there. So any thoughts on that before I go to... Next, next one here. Yeah, I mean, he, he, my own struggles, too, it's like equally as much, uh, you know, I know there's a, a spirit-driven work, but it's, it's really easy to drift into the feeling like, okay, now I've earned this salvation Yeah. I'm not working from my position in Christ, but for my position in Christ. Yep. And it's, so it's like, you know, there's that tension. Just, it's still like nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, yeah, there's, there's like, there's tensions just everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it can become like, you know, tying our shoes, right? Um, we do it every day. Um, it's just without thought. And we can sometimes look at our sanctification in that way to where, um, well, I don't really need God's help for this. I've, I've been doing this long enough. You tie, tie my shoes and go. But, you know, to your point, that's, that's not the case. And thanks be to God that he reminds us of that by making things difficult so that we see, I don't have the strength for this. This is outside of what I feel is my capacity for this. And the Lord drives us into these situations. And we see again, we are um, uh, children of our heavenly father. But we feel that 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 weakness again and we're reminded lord give me the strength to tie my shoe and we become humble again (laughs) which is a good thing for us so that we don't become prideful and think that we're stronger than we actually are Uh, paul says that he says uh, to have a right estimation of yourself um don't think of yourself too highly than you ought to and don't go on the other side with the false piety and think of yourself too lowly than, than you ought to in other words If you're going to be lowly, but have a have a true and contrite, genuine humility, not a show of humility, which is just pride. Right. So have a right estimation of yourself um, and don't fall off the sort of cliff on either side of that. Um, Yeah. All right. So next next section here. Uh, Number three, the word of God must be active. Sanctification: The word of God must be active. A, to change your inner man. In other words, renew the mind, change the heart. Uh, can someone read Romans 6.11 for us? So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to make a... <clears throat> comment on this. Um, So continuing um, after that in verse 12, it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. I remember years ago hearing a sermon by John Piper on this, this passage, um, and he was saying something to the effect of um, all the things that we're given, but specifically here, our, our bodies, our hands, um, our eyes, our feet, um, we are either presenting them as instruments for unrighteousness or we're giving them to God as instruments for Righteousness. We're giving, we either giving our hands, our mind, our eyes, heart, our affections, our feet to be more diligent and sin, or we're giving them to God um, in prayer that He would cause them to be useful for righteousness. So what do we do with our eyes? Uh, what are we looking at and taking in? What are we doing with our hands? What, are, what, what type of work are we putting our hands to? With our feet? Where are we walking? I'm um, thinking about Psalm, Psalm 1, um, you know, with our, with our hearts, with our mouths. How are we using it? Are, are we presenting our mouths as this gift to unrighteousness, or are we presenting it to God uh, as a gift of uh, an instrument for righteousness? So sort of thinking about it in those, in those terms, because we're always doing one or the other. <laughs> We've all been in situations and in conversations where you come to a point where it's like a crossroad, <laughs> I've just been offended. What you said, that hurt me. Um, and now I'm mad. And I can choose to go left or go right. I could, I could return offense for offense, evil for evil. Or I could pray, Lord, put a guard over my tongue and my mouth. Um, or I could bless instead of curse, right? We, well, we, we feel that tension in our, our hearts at times. And we, at that moment, we are either, we have the choice to present to righteousness or, or unrighteousness. And so just another, uh, another show that we are um, involved in that process of sanctification and how, the, how God works, works in that through prayer and his word. Okay, let me have someone read uh, Romans 12. Actually, we, we read that one. Um, go to Ephesians 4.23. Let me have someone read that, that for us. Or 22 and 23, if you can. Who wants to read that for us? Ephesians 4, 22 and 23. All right. So being, let me back up a little bit. Um, Putting off the old self again. Uh, that which is uh, in line with the corrupt nature and being renewed in the spirit of your minds which is a very interesting phrase being renewed in the spirit of your minds Um, that's another way of uh, Paul saying um, your uh, the the deepest affections of your new nature which he goes on to sort of talk about this new life but um, being renewed from, from, from the heart, the spirit of your minds, from, from your heart. Okay, be under number three. The word of God must be active, be to change your outer man, your behavior, your conduct, your actions. <clears throat> Romans six twelve, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, again, to make you obey its passions. And then 1 Timothy 4, 7 having nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather training yourself in godliness. Again, that, that training language, which, which we talked about. And then Colossians 3, the putting off and the putting on again. Um, so we live out of our hearts, right? We know that to be the case. Um, Luke 6 says that, Romans 4, 23, or Proverbs 4.23, 4, um, guard your heart for out of it flow the, the, the issues of life. Um, our actions are the outer workings, or our affections. In in an old, uh, older sort of 17th, 16th century uh, theology and just thought in general, the affections were the outer workings of the heart through the actions. Is how they sort of defined affections. Um, we live out of our hearts. So what's happening in our hearts in that process of sanctification will show itself, and what we do what we don't do, what we say, what we don't say, our self-control, what we give our eyes to, our hands to, our words to, right? So if something is happening in the heart that is corrupt, like a leaky faucet, it will eventually reveal itself. You may initially only be able to see sort of the water spot on the wall, but that's an indicator of something deeper. Um, Our actions are usually just the water spot on the wall, our hearts. Uh, something is happening behind the wall, in the pipe, right? There's something is seeping out of our hearts, and it's either good or it's or it's bad. It's either unto righteousness or unto corruption, right? <clears throat> okay. So, what time we got here. So, um, number four. Number four. Um, it is a gradual process. It is a gradual process. Uh, Philippians four. Uh, rather 3 12 to 14 says not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own brothers I do not consider that I have made it my own but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus forgetting what lies behind and striving to what is what is ahead and just the humility of uh, this Paul's recognition of himself um, I'm not saying that I have have arrived um, he, he he doesn't have a, a, a view of himself and this is Paul right we we look at Paul and we say like he's uh, you know he's sort of the poster child for suffering for Christ and for humility and for um, giving himself, his body over for the sake of Christ and his kingdom and all these things, which which he did by the Spirit. But Paul's own sense of his own weakness is something that we can overlook at times. Um, and his humility here, I do not consider that that I have made it my own, um, I but I press on. Um, I am straining toward this goal, moving forward, forgetting what lies behind, but pursuing, pressing on to what lies ahead as Christ was his goal, right, which should be our goal as well. Um, Let me have someone read Galatians 5.16. I don't think that's on the, oh, yes it is. Uh, Galatians 5.16. Can someone read that for us? Sonia? What I say, walk by the right thank you that same principle there um, almost that instruments of righteousness unrighteousness principle walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh all right so our one uh, in this last section here um, I'll I'll just read and be uh, blank and you guys can take a look at those verses and we'll Spend the last five minutes for you guys to share thoughts, ask, ask questions. So n- number five there, the process of sanctification takes a great amount of effort. Sort of piggybacking off of what's already been said. It takes a great amount of effort. First Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 says, Do you not know that a race, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So again, this strong language, this exercise language, the language of self-control, the language of a reward, um, not a perishable one, but an imperishable one. Um, The language of not uh, sort of aimlessly walking um, about or training, but training intentionally, directionally towards a goal. Uh, And that goal is righteousness by the Spirit. So let me, um, I'll, I'll stop there, and with, we have about five, five minutes left, so let me, does any other verses come to mind for you, or um, uh, anything coming to mind for you about your, about your own process of, of sanctification, what you've seen in your own heart, heart and life, how the Lord has worked in your own life and your, and your sanctification?